your girlfriend, you take care of her. at me that's me <laughs> i can hear voices in my head all right okay <laughs> all right they're saying shit like i swallow your soul i swallow your soul no <laughs> just like did you, did you guys notice the popeye voices on the lamp and uh <laughs> oh other, yeah, yeah. The three stooges stuff yeah yeah it's it's gotta be <laughs> well shall we intro it and do the thing okay yeah all right Hey listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where we three friends get together virtually until safe to do otherwise and talk about a horror movie, or three in this case. And uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Find the music on Apple Music or Amazon where you could buy it digitally. Say hello to them on Facebook where they are, the Moon-Rays. And we, believe it or not, are not professional critics. And we're going to spoil the movies we talk about, except for the recently watched, which we will talk about first. That, as they say, is housekeeping. Guys, how you been? Okay. Good. I, I learned that Will. from... <laughs> that's Will and that's Julian. I learned that fast-talking thing from people in radio. Just like, sh- just get it out and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say it all really fast. People can listen that fast. Don't worry. So, uh, yeah, what's new? Are there any really slow-speaking radio announcers that don't work for NPR? Uh, no. I think they all went to NPR. That's... Like, there's a there's an NPR show, uh, Market Watch or something like that. Yeah. It's a financial program every day. I don't like the show. I mean, I'm not interested in it. It's not like I dislike the show, but I'm not interested. But the guy has a really good radio voice. And so I'll listen to it because <laughs> everybody else on NPR sounds like they're on Quaaludes. And he uh, he's lively. 
<laughs> Holy crap. Um, a lively NPR guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, that bit on SNL where they do delicious dish is not a joke. That's like real life. <laughs> the two yeah. Women. They, they're not as bad anymore, but oh, for a while there, I think that Saturday night live skit got him to pep up a bit. Yeah. I think they realized just like the, uh, people on the airplane saying bye-bye. I think yeah. as soon as it's being parodied on SNL, you're, you're aware of what it is you do. So yeah. speaking of being parodied, so what'd you watch this week? <laughs> yeah. Me? I'll, yeah. I'll start it. It's real easy for me. I discovered that, um, the, from dusk till dawn series had, uh, at some point in time, I don't know if it was recently had appeared on Netflix. So I've been uh, making my way through that and it's really a lot better than I thought. Uh, originally it was on, uh, Robert Rodriguez's, uh, channel. El Rey. Yeah. El Rey. Yeah. His channel. And, uh, it wasn't available other ways, so I had not seen it. And then, poof, there it is on Netflix. So I watched yeah. a bunch. El Rey wears uh, defunct as of last December. Oh, that's too bad. Um, you know it was a good idea. It's just it's hard to get a, a, a niche audience uh, in large enough numbers to commit. And I, I'm assuming that's the problem. But, again... Uh, he probably is getting some Netflix bucks off of this whole thing. And, uh, that's good too. <laughs> so I never even heard of it. You didn't hear of the, of the L Ray network or you hadn't heard of the, no. how, how about the from dusk till dawn series? Uh, I think I was vaguely aware of that. Yeah. But I hadn't even watched any of the movies past one. So you wouldn't, you really wouldn't. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, was Salma Hayek in any of those. No, they have a uh, different... Uh, She's in the first one. First movie. Yeah, so that's the yeah. first one. That's the only one I'm going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so the thing about this, uh, as far as the characters go, is you don't want somebody who's going to imitate Quentin Tarantino. Uh, you don't want someone who's going to imitate Cheech Marin or George Clooney or Salma Hayek. You just want to say, all right, these are the same characters. They're in these roles. Let's see what these actors do to bring their own thing to it. And they do. And they do it really well. In fact, we've got uh, Robert Patrick as the Jacob character. Does a great job. Uh, the two young guys who are playing the Gecko brothers. I don't know where these dudes came from. In fact, for the interest of the podcast, I probably should have looked it up. But uh, you've got DJ uh, Katrona and Zane Holtz playing uh, Seth and Richie, respectively, and uh, Jesse Garcia playing Ranger uh, Gonzalez. He's a Texas Ranger who's hot on the trail of the Gecko Brothers. And you're going to eventually um, find uh, Isa Gonzalez as uh, Santanico Pandemonium. Uh, she hasn't appeared yet, and I'm like five episodes in. I am pretty much locked into this. I'm going to watch the whole thing until it gets boring or stupid, which it hasn't yet. It's uh, got a little bit of uh, a little bit of the humor and a little bit of the breaking bad kind of brand of danger to it. I like it a lot. And uh, everyone's giving it 
their best effort for sure, and they are very capable actors. And most of them, uh, relative to people seeing this for the first time, are relative unknowns. And I'm digging this. So I normally don't go for this kind of thing, but I am on board. So about five episodes in, and very happy with what they're doing. And Robert Patrick is never bad in anything he does. You know, he's, but it's like, hey, it's uh, T2, it's Agent Doggett, <laughs> you know? Yes. But you believe him as Jacob, even though it's his face and his voice, he's playing the character pretty well. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Uh, so this ran from uh, March of 2014 till November of 2016. And, uh, you know, now it's on Netflix. How many episodes? Uh, let me see if I can scroll to that real quick. Uh, it's three seasons. And wow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't see how many are in each season. I mean, I could pull up Netflix, but you get the idea. That's fine. We don't. Yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. You'll. Yeah. Is it eight? Is it? Is it twenty-three? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a full 26 episodes every <laughs> like, season. Like they used to do. With, like they used to do. Like Voyager. Or even more before that. <laughs> oh, there was a yeah. show in Canada that started in the 70s. It's been a long time since I've read the story, but they were putting out material. Like they were filming pretty much an episode every half hour of the day for days <laughs> on end. God. So they could get up enough material for the show. It's evidently the worst show I ever made because <laughs> they had no budget and they were just like, you just, know, just keep going. Perform the shitty play. Okay, let's do another one. <laughs> yeah, we're in, we're on a roll. Keep going. Yeah, um, I I have sort of gotten uh, a little involved with a book that I bought, uh, a used copy of this book called Smuggler's Cove. It's all about uh, the Hardy Boys. It, you know, I had to I had to scroll through a lot of Hardy Boys <laughs> books till I found a decently priced. Uh, no, it's about tiki culture and and mixing your own tiki drinks. And so I've gone uh, every other payday for the last month and a half and bought a couple bottles of rum. Uh, there's like some dumb reason there has to be like six different kinds of rum to be able to mix all these different drinks. And Jolene, your wife's a mixologist, uh, as mm -hmm. one of her many titles, one of the many, yes. one of the many hats she wears. Uh, certainly she would understand, but, uh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm still struggling to understand why I need so damn much rum. Um, the idea is to eventually drink it all, <laughs> but, uh, Do you have a bottle of barbin core. No, you should get a bottle of barbin core uh, Haitian rum. I will check it out. I mean, they have three star and five star. Which is the, the better three one? Three star is the least expensive. Oh, okay. So it's like sixty bucks a bottle or nine hundred dollars. No. <laughs> uh, twenty twenty five bucks a bottle versus sixty seventy bucks a bottle. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's in it's in reach if you want to just be like that top shelf kind of guy. But, uh, uh, I, I'm ready. You can tell I'm ready for summer. It's like, let's make patio drinks. And I've been collecting vintage tiki mugs for 25 years. So I've got a bunch of originals. And then I read something where some dickhead had to tell me that there could be lead in some of the glaze. It's like, 
So it's going to make me crazy. You can get a lead test. That's a good idea. Yeah. You just go to the hardware store. There's a little, it's like a little, uh, dipstick. Uh, yeah, kind of. You put it on there. I don't remember how quite how it works, but it's kind of like pH strips. Oh, nice. But it'll yeah. tell you if it's got lead because, uh, uh, at the museum, uh, somebody got a whole set of plates and she was really happy. And then she tested them for lead and they all have lead. So womp, womp, it's womp. a great set of plates, but you can't eat off of them. So like Fiesta wear is. Te- yeah. Fiesta wear is radioactive. Technically. Yeah. Technically radioactive. Yeah. Yeah. Only technically. It's not like it's going to turn you into Spider-Man or something. No, turn you into Fiesta Wear, man. <laughs> Brightly colored. No one's afraid of breaks him. Breaks easily. Can't kick anyone's ass. No, no. But worth a lot of but, money. But if you get them to eat food off of you, you <laughs> could give them lead poisoning. Yeah, and they'll die slowly many years later. Yeah. Take that. Uh, that's it for me, really, is just <laughs> from dusk till dawn. And, of course, three Evil Dead movies. Uh, who, wants, All right. who wants to go next? I'll go. Do it. Uh, we're still watching Voyager. What? <laughs> it's getting a little better. Uh-huh. Um, we're into the third season, though, so I think Star Trek takes two seasons, other than the original series, obviously. Uh, third season, usually the writing gets better you never advise anyone to watch like tng from the first season because they're probably not going to continue um same with deep space nine i think voyager's kind of the same way um i think it's because i was thinking about it and i think it's because uh star trek for being set in the future and everything the world isn't really as important as the characters and i think it takes a while for the writers to kind of get a voice for the character, the actors as well. And before that, you're just kind of left with a sort of lame sci-fi show. Um, you know. So what drives... So you get to know Lieutenant Worf, you don't really... You're just like, well, who's that big headed Vulcan or Klingon dude in the back? So uh, what, what, dri- what drives the episodes? Like, what motivates them? Uh... Well, in the in like the early series, you know, or the early seasons, uh, they're driven by kind of uh, either what's become come before in Star Trek, uh, meaning continuity stuff, or they're just sort of sci-fi. Uh, you know, um, perhaps you'll get a morality play in there. Um, Mechanical issues with the but, ship. Yeah, and Voyager, they just, uh, part of the problem is they constantly uh, reset to the status quo. So you don't feel, because there's a a goal for them in mind of getting home, they're trapped in another quadrant of the galaxy, they're trying to get home. Uh, It deflates their, the kind of momentum of the show, whereas if they had a little more continuity and that they stuck with their premise that the that they're a zillion light years away from home and they don't have a lot of stuff that like they could run out of shuttlecraft or photon torpedoes once in a while they'll pay lip service to those things but then they'll turn around and you're like what shuttlecraft did they crash this week how many could they have 
Yeah, how much you power know, have we lost from? I think from... I'm up to three or four crash shuttles. So. What about dilithium I'm only crystals? On the third season, so. <laughs> Isn't it always the dilithium crystals? Yeah, I mean, and they have they have episodes where they go, oh well, we found you know such and such we need for the, you know, whatevers. Warp drive. Uh, I'm not good on the science talk, uh, the techno babble, as they call it. Uh, you know, they, and, and they'll land on a planet and find whatever mineral they need. So they they pay lip service to it, but at the same time, uh, they, they don't really stick to it. You know, mostly they talk about uh, uh, replicator rations. <laughs> I don't really know what replicator <laughs> rations means, but they mention it a lot. Protein powder. Replicators are limited. Oh, okay. Like you get one staying out of the replicator every day. Oh, okay. It's That's not, your limit. It's not like anyone's going to... You know what? If they were really going to starve, go pick up some Tribbles and just let them replicate themselves. Ooh. Yeah, barbecued Tribble. I wonder if they could eat Tribble. Um, are they too cute to eat? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Evidently, uh, Klingons wiped out the Tribbles. Oh, because they ran out of gawk. No, because they hate tribbles and, oh. and they're allergic to them. Oh, so they, so it was like genocide. Oh, that's yeah, horrifying. no, they wiped out a species and then they brought them back in a time. Oh, yeah, thing, you know, yeah. and and the Klingons were like, "Well, fuck, we killed those things. Now we got to kill them all again." <laughs> I think that was one of the episodes of Deep Space Nine. I actually saw was they go back. They take a time trip back to the original series and they meet the Tribbles. It's a pretty good episode. Uh, They did really well. They go back to the original series and they inserted the characters into scenes from Trouble with Tribbles, uh, the original series. And uh, it's pretty seamless. And for television of like 1997, I think that's when that episode came out, 96, 97, it looks fantastic still today. Well, that's impressive. You know, you believe that, oh, they really did send those people back. <laughs> so, you know, it's probably the best episode of the series, or one of them. Well, There's a couple others that are really good near the end. Um, anyway, that's enough on Star Trek. Uh, I well, waste my time with a lot of Star Trek. What, what about... Fight the Trekkie. I never <laughs> thought this would happen to me. I never disliked Star Trek, but Trek, but I... Uh, was never really my thing i mean i watched the, a lot of it but that's because you had three channels and we're gonna watch golf or you know uh falcon crest no or, or the knife channel the sci-fi show the channel where they're selling you a bunch of knives yeah and we didn't even have that back then Jeez, you had three channels and pbs did you ever see that episode of futurama called the problem with poplars where they're on some Is that point. The one where the cast comes back. No, no. The the problem with Poplar is uh, the uh, the delivery team is on a planet, and they discover these uh, things that look like uh, deep fried shrimp or something, and it turns out they're really delicious. So they bring them back to Earth, and uh, they have to name them. And the only the only names left were. Um, Poplars or tasticles? So they went with poplars. <laughs> all, well, that's all other fast food names have been used. Yeah. Well, since since Voyager uh, is not really satisfying it, we decided to go back 
and try to watch Babylon 5. We watched the first episode or two of that, and oof. You hadn't done that one already? Better. What? That wasn't one of them you had already done? No, no. Uh, we watched Deep Space Nine, basically the same show. Okay. Only take all the talent and budget and get rid of that. Um, the set design is terrible. I was really uh, kind of negative with it, and Gene was like, for God's sake, we watch Voyager. <laughs> Quit complaining about this show. That's your new yardstick for everything. <laughs> That's our new yardstick, so yeah, it's going to suck for a while. But we're trying to develop, we got a fire stick, so we're trying to develop a, a lineup for every night, like Murder Mondays, be pardon my murders and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Wild Card Wednesday, watch whatever we want. Uh, Babylon Fridays. <laughs> you know, Tuesday, Thursday, nothing clever yet, like Voyager Tuesday, I guess. Terrible okay. Tuesday. Trekkie Tuesday. <laughs> Trekkie Tuesday. Trek Tuesdays. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'll let you know what we watch on Thursdays when we come up with something. Um, we watched a show two weeks ago, and I meant to mention it only because it was so ridiculous. We watched a show on uh, Prime, I believe, called Wild Bill which the premise is uh, uh, Rob Lowe, who plays Bill something or other. He's a uh, police chief from Miami who moves to uh, somewhere in England. Fish out of Waterton? I've forgotten the name of, of the town he moves to, but he basically they hire him to be the police chief in this town. Okay. I don't think that would really happen, so... It already seems pretty ridiculous. Uh, first episode, there's some police stuff going on, and, and in the course of this police action, they happen upon an apartment where there's a head in the freezer. Um, so there's been a murder. You know? Pardon my murder. Uh, so they spend the whole episode trying to find this person um, who, who killed this girl, you know, and chopped her head off. And uh, the end, I'm going to spoil this because this is a ridiculous show. <laughs> Wild Bill has the idea. She jumped off one of the uh, uh, wind turbines that generate electricity that are in the countryside, jumped off there to commit suicide, and somehow the blade cut her head off. Okay. And then what happened to the body? They don't tell you. <laughs> I guess some guy happened by and picked the head up and they took it home and put it in the freezer. Yeah. He thought maybe, maybe the, he'd need maybe another the, head at some point. The blade didn't flip it through an open window. And... <laughs> that would have been better. <laughs> it rolled into an open freezer and the door slammed shut behind it. Oh, you never looked in the freezer. Yeah. Makes sense. So, yeah, wow. great show. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, we watched the second episode. It wasn't as ridiculous, but it was also a lot more boring because it wasn't ridiculous. So, huh. not a good show. We probably won't watch anymore. Um, 
I think that's about it. Although I did watch a uh, an episode of uh, Kevin Smith's Comic Book Man, which is all right. It's a reality show, and it's pretty far down there. But a uh, customer came in, and she was looking for a big statue of Leatherface they had, uh, which had sounds and everything. I think our friend Andy actually owned this very thing or something very similar. Um, anyway, she came in, and she's like, do you have this statue? And then they bring it out from the back, and, and she goes, yeah, this is my mom and I's Christmas movie. We put this on when we're setting up the tree. Oh. And a... I thought that was so great. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The ori- Isn't that great? Every, every Christmas we watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The original. <laughs> the most Christmassy movie there is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's right up that's, there for sure. That's a great idea. Yeah, I really like that. Wow. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is that the series where it's like people running a comic book shop and yeah they they're his friends he bought a comic book shop and basically uh employs his friends to work there for him kevin right. Smith being, yeah, yeah i, I think i saw one of them where uh lindsey wagner comes in to get a statue yeah of silver surfer or something yeah she bought a silver surfer oh, actually i think they gave her the silver surfer right statue right because they were, because they, they were they're all just so overcome fans. <laughs> yeah, the show's funny. If you watch it, they they buy more things than they ever sell. <laughs> yes, sounds about um, right. So you're like, how the fuck do they make any money? They don't. Um, I was kind of on a comic book kick this week. I did watch a couple other things. I watched something called I remember now. I watched something called My Comic Book Country, Comic Book Shop Country, I believe it is. Um, it's a little documentary a guy made about comic shops and. Uh, and the problems they face now and how a lot of them have shut down since the height of the, of the boom. And they're down to about 3000 shops. It's, it's a decent enough little comic book shop documentary. I mean, it does what it says on the 10. Um, but at some point they say, if a comic shop owner was given the opportunity to sell the book or keep it, they would always keep it. I was like, that's why you go out of business. Yeah. That's how that yeah. works. And then I watched uh, Comic-Con, uh, Morgan Spurlock's movie about Comic-Con from like 2010 or so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's about it. It wasn't as good as uh, Super Size Me. No, that's that's a really good one. Uh I've made been... me hungry for McDonald's. That that did <laughs> made you nostalgic. I hadn't had McDonald's in years, yeah, years, and it acted as an advertisement for it for me. Uh, Isn't that weird? Sick? What's wrong with me? You know what? You know what to do. Go buy the fries and just leave. Don't buy any of the other shit, and then you'll be okay. That's yeah. Yeah, that's all you really want from the place. Yeah, even their fries aren't very good anymore. Probably not. Since they no longer fry them in tallow, and now they use vegetable oil. You know they put sugar on there? I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Is, was that I it? I think that's probably my week. Julian. Of watching crap. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about you? What crap have you watched? 
I've only watched the first one of those from Dust to Dawn movies. And I've, I've not watched the TV show at all. Um, or, but, the, uh, or the yeah, terrible you know, sequels. Satanico Pandemonium is named after a Mexican exploitation film. Yeah, which I still haven't seen. Do you own it? Uh, no, I don't. Well, that's something we should hunt down. Uh, I, yeah, I used to watch El Rey Network because they'd have... Um, like one day a week, they'd have five Shaw Brothers movies. Um, they they had like uh, access to about a hundred movies, um, and they they'd like put together the ones that ran as a series. They'd have all the Sentimental Swordsman series or the Brave Archer series. Uh, that was a great great way of catching up, and they had really good copies of them. Um, because, wow! Uh, yeah, Shaw Brothers was. Uh, by this point, it had been owned by uh, Celestial, and they'd been restoring all the uh, Shaw Brothers movies from the 70s and 80s. So it was, it was a great way of catching up on all that stuff. Um, I watched uh, Twilight Zone Season 2, the uh, Jordan Peele one. How is it? Have you seen any of those? Uh, no, I've not watched any of the new twi- newest Twilight Zone. The first three, I think, from uh, the Season 1. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, really good. Uh, yeah. Really nice uh, photography and so on. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Osgood Perkins directs the final episode of season two. Oh, nice. And uh, if you're a Twilight Zone nut, that I'm, you'll probably get more uh, in jokes than I will because it's uh, it's really weird and is uh, it's very upfront about referring to classic Twilight Zone stuff in it. Good. Uh, it's, it's, it's delightful. Um, yeah, uh, that was really good. And then another Jordan Peele series. We, we just started watching uh, Lovecraft Country. Ah, oh, so I need to finish that. Yeah, we we we've watched the first two of that. And uh, yeah. and you're right. You can't binge it. You have to watch one. No. <laughs> one yeah, it just became so much. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's pretty heavy material. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but it's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'd never read that Lovecraft poem before that they referenced in the first episode. That's, oh yeah. Pr- pretty awful. <laughs> it is. And, and you know what, this is the, this is the sweet revenge on Lovecraft for being such a racist piece of garbage is for right. all, all, of, yeah. all of this to be, uh, the protagonists and the main characters are all black people. And mm-hmm. it shows truly that white people were the monsters of the day. And, well, at least we cleared that all up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got like, uh, yeah, you're really fearful for them just just leaving Chicago to go on a road trip. You're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Leaving the and front like, door. Without, without any Lovecraft stuff coming into it, you're worried about Yeah, that scene in the, I think it's the first episode when they're trying to get out of the county yeah uh but they can't go above the speed limit yeah and the sun's going down is probably the scariest thing Mm -hmm. on the show yeah (laughs) yeah i'm worried when they yeah they leave the house and i'm worried you know they step out onto the sidewalk and i'm (laughs) you know just biting my nails for them (laughs) you have people like i think the second episode they tie a brick onto the horn of their car so it blares constantly oh god and she goes out and breaks the windows with a baseball bat 
yeah. their white neighbors do that because they moved into a house. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That yeah. That's oh, that's probably three, I think that's number three or three four. Three or four. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. You you see some real monsters in this one, in this series. Yeah. Yeah. So apart from that, that's uh, yeah. That's all I watched. Uh, TV stuff. Well, the um, the the mention of Kevin Smith reminded me that I did watch one other thing, which was uh, a documentary called The Last Blockbuster on Earth. And um, I don't need to say much more about it. It's on Netflix. And if you want to see what it's like for some people to keep the keep the torch burning for the last blockbuster video on planet Earth, it's in Bend, Oregon. And a bunch of different celebrities oh. visit and uh, they do a lot of different events. And at last I checked, they're still going. So good on you. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman's the best part of it because uh, they would never carry Toxic Avenger or any trauma films. So Lloyd Kaufman's like, yeah, I don't have anything good to say about him. Fuck those guys. <laughs> That's kind of his whole attitude toward them. He's like, yeah, it's like, oh, what, I should be nostalgic for them? They fucked me. Go, you know. <laughs> so he's he's got a pretty short part in this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> he turns up in the him and Kevin Smith turn up in that um, True Believer Stan Lee book. Oh, cool! Oh, okay, that biography because uh, yeah, Lloyd Kaufman and Stan Lee hooked up in the seventies to try and get some movie projects going. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, one of his many many projects that he didn't go anywhere. That never left the ground. Yeah, Kevin Smith has the best part on the uh, that Comic Con. Uh, Morgan Spurlock movie. He uh, he tells this little anecdote that he's like, I meet Stanley. Uh, or, you know, Stanley recognizes me in person. You know, as you know, he knows my name. We know one another. If I told the eleven-year-old me that uh, <laughs> when you know when I grow up, when you grow up, not only will you go to Comic Con, you'll go every year as a guest. And Stan Lee will greet you there by name. <laughs> and that 11 year old would say, how the fuck did you get so fat? <laughs> Is there something wrong with you? And, and now he's frighteningly thin because of his. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. He's scary thin. But yeah, well, that, yeah, I don't care for Kevin Smith's movies anymore. I haven't really liked one since Clerks, which I still think is the brilliant movie it is uh great way to do a low budget movie really funny still um you know uh but i still think as a person he's pretty funny he is yeah definitely pretty good joke so he, he's entertaining in of himself but his movies suck he's good on that superman documentary oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. oh it's great yeah 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 the john schnepp uh the death of superman lives yeah, it's yeah. terrific. Well, that's, you know, Will, that's almost like an unconscious uh, segue into, uh, because you mentioned that's how you do a low-budget movie. We're going to talk about the uh, Evil Dead, uh, the original movie, and the the remake, if you, you know, it's not a sequel. Let's be clear. Let's be honest. Evil Dead 2 is really not a sequel. It's sort of like Evil Dead with money. And then the Evil Dead, the remake. Uh yeah, guys, Which is itself a requel. It's a requel. That's a really good. That's a yeah. good word. Uh, Jolien, did you get to watch uh, rewatch uh, the Evil Dead, the original? 
I yeah, I rewatched the uh, original Evil Dead and a bit of uh, Within the Woods, and uh, and I watched the 2013 Evil Dead. Excellent. And there's no need to rewatch Evil Dead Two. It's like you probably know it beat by beat, right? <laughs> Well, I'd actually forgotten. I hadn't seen Evil Dead 2 in so long. I'd forgotten parts of it. Oh, that's great. That's I mean, it's, it's a nice... It also felt way campier than I remember. It is. It is. Uh, you know. There and are... if you watch it back to back with Evil Dead 1, wow. It's two very different uh, tones, for sure. So, Jolene, what do you think rewatching Evil Dead? Uh, the Was it 1981? Yeah, 81. Yes. Finally came out in eighty one. That they actually finished making it in seventy nine. I think it took them a year or so to get the uh, distribution up and running. Yeah, because they didn't know, and they had to shop around to a whole bunch of people for for most of a year. Yeah, they were they were figuring out how the game was played. It seemed, <clears throat> and uh, the game's always changing though. So that's probably. Uh, what made it problematic even back then it seems like uh, Sam Raimi knew about filmmaking from having made so many of his own projects. And then uh, you mentioned uh, his uh, proof of concept was, uh, I just spaced it out. uh, The within the woods, within the woods. Um, Yeah. It served as a proof of concept for, yeah. So it's it's like a, it's, it's a short film that they made in order to get money for the feature. And it's got uh, 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 Bruce Campbell in it and uh, uh, Ellen Sandweiss from uh, the finished movie. Right. Who also, uh, uh, she she reprised the, uh, well, I won't say reprised the role, but she uh, was a guest voice in the uh, remake from a few, yes. from a few years ago, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, how, how is that? Uh, that that proof of concept vibe what is it how did it uh, look within the wood within the woods yeah i watched about a quarter of an hour of it uh on a break i didn't have much time and um it was kind of hard to watch because it's uh i wish they'd clean up this one you know they keep re-releasing evil dead in better and better versions but uh i don't i i'm i've not heard of uh, a restored version of uh, within the woods coming out might be a rights thing. Yeah, it's got some music on it. It's got like a We Are Family on it. That would be super expensive to get the rights to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably that. But it's, it is very, uh, it's very worn, it's jumpy and scratchy. Oh, yeah. Criteria. Yeah, I couldn't believe how good Evil Dead looked on Blu-ray. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been a number of years since I've seen either of those films. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was always a kind of crappy videotape we'd get from the video store for Evil Dead. I've always preferred Evil Dead over Evil Dead 2, and I think rewatching them's really cemented that. Um, you know. Yeah, it, it's basically that Evil Dead 2, you've got a bigger budget, but it's it's deliberately campy. And the special effects may look better, but they're used to kind of, uh, you know, uh, sort of socket home that this joke 
is is the joke, you know, that it is funny or you know, you you don't need to do <laughs> some of the silly things that they do. Uh for example, uh the the one uh, possessed person in the cellar gets uh, their head stuck in the cellar door, the the trap door. Somebody stomps on it, the eyeball goes flying and pops into Billy Joe or whatever her name is into her mouth. Like the flying eyeball could have bounced off of someone's cheek, and it would have been funnier probably. For it to pop directly into her mouth, it's it's asking a lot of us as the viewer, and. <laughs> It's just a lot of nonsense. Um, yeah. But there, there's definitely something, and I took I took a lot of notes when I was watching the remake of Evil Dead. The fan service was not screwing around in that one. Um, my whole left column of my notes is, is just, yeah, it's just a whole list. Do you want me to read off the fan service? Okay. Yeah, read read some of those off of there. Okay, so uh, they show up at the cabin. We see the porch swing. Mm -hmm. They go inside. We see the piano. Uh, we see around back, uh, Mia is sitting on clearly Ash's car. Um, uh -huh. We see a very similar necklace, the Michigan State sweatshirt. Um, there's a shotgun. And then when... Uh, Somebody sees the Necronomicon in the basement. Shortly after that, we see the uh, POV, you know, the uh, shaky cam, whatever they called it, uh, uh, that they did where they ran with the two by four with the camera on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, shaky cam. Yeah. So the shaky cam POV, we get the rapey tree. Uh, the book has illustrations that look just like the Evil Dead poster. Uh, mm -hmm. The bridge is out. We get an evil mirror situation. Uh, not the same as when Ash grabs himself out of the mirror, but uh, a similar thing happens where the girl's looking in the mirror, but her reflection is different than her. Uh, we have a bitten hand that becomes possessed. Uh, and then uh, one of the characters says something about, does that seem fine? Which is what Ash is saying to himself in the mirror. We just, we just killed our girlfriend. Does that seem fine? <laughs> Uh, and, uh, the chainsaw splatters blood onto a lantern the same way when Ash in evil dead two is cutting his, uh, girlfriend's head in the vice. It, uh, splats the blood up on the light bulb. So we get, I mean, that's easily 10 things. I just, I didn't count them, but that's easily 10 things. I just counted off. Um, it's, uh, it's cool though, that they do that because we want a little wink and a nudge from, the filmmakers, but we don't want too much. It was subtle enough. If you're looking for it, you pick it out. But yeah, they, they did the thing with the the necklace. It's like the chain is in the shape of a skull. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the first movie too. Yeah. So, Evil Dead. Uh, Sam Raimi did it. He got a bunch of people together and made a movie, and he actually got it distributed. Um, he. Had a budget of somewhere between three hundred and fifty thousand and four hundred thousand, and apparently the box office was somewhere between two point seven and two point nine million. Wow! So, uh, uh, the, I, I've heard different. Tell me what you've heard. Uh, the actual production was about 
is somewhere north of eighty-five thousand. Okay. For the first movie, and yeah, that sounds more reasonable. Then once they were talking to uh, the distributors, they had to do all the advertising and the stills. Uh, th- then it went up. Um, you know, that added another sixty thousand ish. Okay. On top of that, yeah. So uh, yeah, not not that much. Okay. Yeah, that sounds more reasonable for early eighties. It sounds more believable to me, and maybe that was maybe that was cr- converted into today dollars. Yeah, that's, that sounds right. Oh, that could be. Yeah, yeah. I have to be careful where I read my sources, but uh, <laughs> but because they, they they um once they took it over to Khan and it got picked up by I think it was Palace, which was the British uh, distribution uh, home video and. Uh, theatre releasing company um, they got $60,000 for that palace deal and that let them pay off uh, just about all of the costs of the publicity nice. so uh, uh, so that, that was you know that was a, a third back of what they'd spent in one go probably felt like a win yeah I mean Evil Dead success in the UK uh, showed um, that's where it took off because uh, uh, companies in America weren't interested or or they were offering them really terrible deals. Like there were some local distributors around uh, Detroit who basically uh, distributed porno and stuff like that and said, oh, yeah, we'll we'll give you 30,000 maybe and and, uh, we'll release it to a few places around town. But uh, in the UK, it took off, and it was like, like um, especially on home video, it was like uh, one of the most popular de- one of the most popular videotapes uh, there was. And, you know, uh, it was beating out ET. Uh, wow! And uh, <laughs> even when it was banned, it was it was still the you know number one selling uh, tape. So um, yeah, that 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 was proof of. How, how popular it could be and then and uh so that it was it was selling around the world and that's where they were making most of their money instead of back home yeah so when was the first time uh you saw it jolian uh it would have been on tape back in 80s yeah so yeah some grainy tape yeah it, it wouldn't have been yeah, an official remember- one Oh, okay. So it wasn't even, it was a bootleg. This was video yeah, nasties I, era, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I saw Evil Dead 2 at the theater and it was, it was, it was cut and, you know, I had to read my Fangoria's to see what was missing. But, uh, <laughs> Fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember how popular Evil Dead was. So what were you thinking of Americans when you were seeing this stuff? <laughs> what kind of impression did we give you? <laughs> Oh, I, I thought I thought it was. Uh, I I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. Um, I was in. It was definitely in the tradition of uh, Texas Chainsaw and things like that. Yeah. So all these uh, legendary extreme American horror movies that I couldn't see. And you're like, I'm going to move there someday. Yeah. <laughs> There's no restrictions. Yeah, they do it right. <laughs> People are getting killed with chainsaws. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. moving there. Yeah, it's a big scout camp. 
Yeah, I figured I, I the first time I saw the uh, Evil Dead, I I must have been around ten. Oh, good. I think that's about the right age. Yeah. To first see Evil Dead. So it, it freaked me out a little bit. Uh, yeah. But by the end, I was really, you know, really into it. It was fantastic, and and it became a, a kind of you know, staple around the house. Uh, I never had it on video, though. I remember renting it every once in a while, but... Yeah, yeah I'd have to go around uh, friends' houses because we couldn't afford a video player for, you know, quite a while. And so uh, oh. I'd have to go around friends' houses. And it is, you know, it's great to watch it with people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for... Yeah, we, we couldn't afford a VCR either, so we would occasionally rent one, I remember. And it was this giant thing that came. It's probably the size of a suitcase now with a top loading VCR. Yeah. Yeah. It's been about half an hour when my dad fought with connecting it to the TV. Yep. Swearing the whole time. Is it supposed Fucking to be a supposed God to be on channel three it. or channel four? God damn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have to adjust the tracking. Oh, that too. Oh, yeah. oh, God, it was horrible. Any listeners who are younger than 40 are probably like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, so so that was a, that was a good uh, uh, place for me to, to tell listeners who are new newer to the show. Will grew up with a friend who had a video store. His parents ran a video store. And uh, yeah. that had to be really helpful for this kind of thing. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, you know, it was great because they not only could we get movies at the store, um, his mom also had a pretty good movie collection um, that she would get, uh, like, I guess, uh, basically used copies from the store. And uh, and then she'd pass them along to me. That's how I ended up with uh, most most of the movies I had that weren't just, you know, taped off TV or or uh, you hooked the two VCRs up. But that wasn't until much, much later that I learned that you could, you know, record your own movies. Yeah. Because my grandfather had a friend. I went out to visit my grandfather once. He lived in Las Vegas. And he's like, you want to you wanna rent a movie? Let's go get a movie. And he drives out, drives us out to the suburbs. And we go to this guy's house. And I'm like, what? Why, why are we stopping here? <laughs> And we go in, and the guy had more movies than a blockbuster. What's his name, like Benny the Tape? And they were all taped. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna so go they see. They were all bootlegs. We're gonna go see Benny the what Tape. Did you say? Benny the Tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. He had he had a book. I remember he had a giant binder <laughs> like, to look at the videos, and he's like. Because they just had numbers. Like a karaoke menu. Yeah, and he's like, here, sit down, find some movies. And you just flip through this book going, okay. I don't remember what we watched now, but... A lot. That's where he, he, I learned that, you know, oh, you can hook two VCRs up to one another, and you put a a piece, if you have a tape that's already been used, you put tape over that little hole in it, and you can copy yeah, that change things. Yeah, <laughs> game changer, totally. <laughs> so, what was the disparity like between when you saw Evil Dead, the Evil Dead, and then Evil Dead Two? Like you said, 
really campy comparatively, but what was that like? Was it was it sort of like all right? What am what what happened here? I remember being so like kind of wowed by Evil Dead Two and sure. thinking it was really funny, and I don't think I really until later kind of thought about how different they were. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, I, I don't think I ever watched them back to back until last night. Yeah. And I think maybe that's because they were so different that they just kind of felt like two separate movies. Like, like evil dead two was the updated one and, uh, you didn't really need to backtrack to the first one. Sort of, or they offered different enough experiences that, like, Evil Dead, ooh, it's creepy, well done, little horror movie, Evil Dead 2 was funny. And I think that's big enough difference there that I didn't really think of Evil Dead as a horror movie. Right. You know, and usually when we were, when I was a kid, uh, I don't know. I guess we watched quite a few comedies, but horror was way, way more popular than anything else. Definitely. At least with me and my friends, you know, uh, anything gross, we, Uh, we watched over and over and over again because that's what kids love. Yeah. You want to see the fly get his head blown off with a shotgun. Spoilers. (laughs) Uh, Or get smashed in an elevator in the fly, too. Spoilers. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Jolien, what was that like for you? What was the time uh, between seeing Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2? I must have seen Evil Dead afterwards, I think. So I remember going to see Evil Dead 2 at the theater. It was was really fun seeing it with an audience. Uh, It's never played as well since seeing it. At home, like Rocky uh, Horror Picture Show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it, it requires a crowd to be. It's, it's, I mean, the first one's much better with the crowd, actually. But um, yeah, the second one, it, it just uh, it's not aged as well for me. Uh, I'm distracted by the fashions. They they seem to have aged worse than the than the original one because you've got all those you know long shorts and long socks combinations and. Uh, the, those hairstyles with the, the you know hole in the ozone layer hairstyles they had at the time. Yeah, and the original is just basic shirts and jeans. You know the, the classics, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it feels a little more timeless. Yeah, um, but the uh, but then watching the Evil Dead again because I haven't seen it that many times, but watching it again, like the the rape scene really is like uh, kind of uh, throws me. It's upsetting. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, yeah. It's, it's really horrendous. I, I can I can understand why they they did it. Uh, Alan, he's he's, be, he's regressed it since, but um, this is so they, they were making this in the late seventies. So this was like the peak. This was like the uh, nadir, as it were, of uh, horror movies. If they were playing. Uh, not classy horror movies, but the movies that were going out to drive-ins and 42nd Street, you had to outdo the last one that came out, the last one that was making people go, oh, my God, that's horrible. <laughs> so by this time, this is, you know, this is at the the nadir, so 
this was going to be competing with the Italian cannibal movies and, uh, you know, uh, it, it references Hills of Eyes. And I yeah. was just going to say. Things like that. So you had to topple this stuff. And, uh, and one easy way of doing a, a, you know, horrendous, shocking scene was to do a rape scene. And um, it, uh, it seems so... Uh, there's, there's something gratuitous about it now. They didn't need to do that to move the story along. It just yeah. seemed to be done for the shock. It wasn't necessary to yeah. the story. And one thing I can say is at least it's a tree and not like a... A, a possessed guy friend from the cabin. So yeah. at least I don't it, know if that makes it better. It removes it at least a, a, a you know one layer. Um, do you do you uh, are you both familiar with the because uh, you mentioned the hills have eyes reference? Are you guys both familiar with the uh, the lineage from uh, uh, the hills have eyes to what they did with the posters and whatnot in the movies? Uh, yeah, I know uh, Evil Dead, the posters in Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah, so in in, uh, in The Hills Have Eyes... And Wes Craven basically kept putting each other's posters, movie posters. And, yeah, yeah uh, uh, the thing Wes Craven did was he said, you know what, Jaws is not horror, this is horror. So in The Hills Have Eyes, he had a torn Jaws poster in uh, in the movie that you could see plainly in view. And then, uh, so Sam Raimi is like, no, this is horror. So he had a torn <laughs> The Hills Have Eyes poster. And then finally in Evil Dead 2, you see uh, right about when uh, Ash is cutting into the girlfriend's head that's stuck in the vice, uh, above the door, when all the blood is flying, uh, you see the Freddy Krueger glove hanging above the door. All right. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's a little Easter egg that is easily missed. But uh, just before the uh, the blood splatters on the light bulb, I think it's just before that moment, you'll see the Freddy Krueger glove hanging amongst all the other, you know, uh, lawnmower parts and machetes and all the shit that's in the mm. the shed. You'll see the Freddy Krueger glove right above the door. I was, I was thinking about uh, movies that uh, influenced Evil Dead and the obvious ones like uh, Texas Chainsaw and Not yeah. the Living Dead. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, as far as it, Lovecraft goes, I think the uh, closest one is Equinox. It's another very low budget, uh, heavy on special effects movie. Uh, have you seen that one? I have not. A bunch of students go out into the rural area and they, they find the Necronomicon and awaken all these oh, yes. Lots of demons. There's yeah. these stop motion monsters, etc. Oh, and it's great. like. Uh, special effects guys who, who went on to the Star Wars series. And, um, yeah, it's it's not bad. It's pretty good for a low-budget Lovecraft thing. I think it's on Prime now or Netflix. One of the Yeah, um, I've got the Criterion. They, they brought it out. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, the, the other one that, that struck me was, um, uh, as you say, like uh, uh, the Evil Dead movies, they tend to go, the women get possessed and then it, and then the men of the, it comes down to the final man, the final boy. Yeah. Uh, pretty, yeah. pretty unusual. Different from modern horror movie. But I, I think uh, these movies, uh, I, it, it reminded me of uh, Deliverance um, because it's a kind of um, uh, mockery and testing of uh, manliness. Uh 
you have uh, the hero has a, a woman's name, and he goes from being the the quieter, more uh, like affectionate, um, more feminine man, whereas Scott is this jerk from the get go. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he wants to abandon everyone and get out of there. Uh, but Ashley, uh, uh, he, he, you know, he's he's forced to. Uh, become this sort of uh, macho figure and uh, is this kind of parody he, he does this kind of parody of the macho hero <laughs> yeah. and, uh, uh, and and he's thrown into this cycle of um, being forced to be the hero all the time um, but uh, he, he's, he's not really he's, he's kind of playing a role it's not really him he's it, it's uh, it's this He's not really able to actually uh, go through some personal growth. He's just forced to do all these ridiculously macho things. So not even a reluctant yeah. hero, just sort of a uh, perpetrator. Yeah. And he knows it. So it kind of reminded me of a deliverance where they uh, they have this macho character who's the Burt Reynolds character. And he's, he's kind of taken out of the uh, action. He's not able to be the put up resistance against the antagonists and then yep the the guys who like uh, who's the the more feminine guy the more artistic guy is the one who's forced to be the uh go up against the, the villains yeah yeah it's a good point that's interesting and you I know hadn't thought of it that way but yeah and you mentioned um the night of living dead uh sam raimi was definitely as he went along as a filmmaker he was uh, looking back on some of the films that were low budget, that that did make money, that were low, uh, you know, they were horror movies. Uh, they were low budget and he knew he could do that. But Halloween, the 1978 Halloween is what really cemented it because he was a little afraid of horror movies before that, but was inspired by the kind of box office they could make. So that's what yes. got him thinking about this in the first place. He wasn't even a horror movie guy at all. No, they, they were going to make wow. some, something like uh, some kind of monster truck movie or something like that. It was, <laughs> yeah. wasn't going to be a horror film. And, but then they, they realized that that was the way you made money with your first film. Yeah. And and uh, he uh, took notes. He went to a lot of different drive-ins and a lot of different low, you know, like low-cost theaters second run stuff. And, uh, he took notes like, when does the audience scream? When do they jump? When do they freak out? What makes them mad? What makes them grossed out? He took notes. He figured out the timing on it. I mean, the guy was not messing around. He had a good mind for this kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You watching evil dead, uh, you would think they, you know, it was made by people who were lifelong horror fans. That's surprising. I'd never (laughs) heard that. I don't know a lot about Sam Raimi. I, I like his films. I've watched most of them, I think, but he's not somebody I've really looked into. And for him, and for him to move on to do Marvel movies, Spider-Man movies, that's, that's stunning to me. That's, that's kind of like Peter Jackson moving on from, uh, dead alive or brain damage as it's known, uh, as well to doing, uh, you know, King Kong and Lord of the Rings, you know, it's Mm -hmm. stunning. Uh, yeah. To see that well, sort he, of advance, he was, he was one of the uh, several directors who, or many directors who were inspired by Evil Dead. Yeah, and rightfully so. There's a formula, and it can work. And as long as you care about what yeah, you're doing, yeah, if you are inventive and energetic and 
uh, got that kind of punk aesthetic, you can you can do it. Um, like uh, uh, there was a. Uh, in Hong Kong, there was um, Choi Hark was very inspired by Evil Dead. So you watch uh, uh, a Chinese ghost story. Um, I mean, it's, it's a great movie, but there's 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 like shaky cam shots straight out of Evil Dead. <laughs> uh... That's awesome. I was wondering, rewatching them and seeing the shaky cam, if George Lucas wasn't influenced by that for the speeder bikes in Return yeah. of the Jedi. Right. That's a good point. I never even thought of that. I was I was really impressed at how good Evil Dead looked. Yes. Because I remember it looking, I mean, a lot of that's videotape artifact, I'm sure. Uh, but I remember it looking pretty bad. And, uh, wow, I mean, really clean stuff up now. Yeah, I was kind of worried about if it looked too clean. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I don't think so. I think they did a nice job. Yeah. There's that one scene that's like out of focus for some reason. <laughs> I don't know if they could rescue that somehow. But uh, there's, this, there's a scene where uh, Ash is on the couch and he, he pretends to be asleep and he puts the, the necklace the ring in, in the box. Hand. Yeah, and, and that whole scene's out, yeah, out of focus <laughs> for some reason. Oh, I didn't even notice. You, you can't go back and refocus what's not been focused. That's one sad thing about photography. You know, I bet now they could. Or if not, now, soon. Deep, Yeah, they could deep fake the whole thing, right? I mean, have you seen those moving pictures? Yeah, that's creepy. Where... That, that app that makes a still photo into a blinking, moving... Jolien, have you seen this? Ghost. Thing. I've seen those ones that kind of look like those old, um, like, double image, you know, they're advertised as 3D, but they're not, they're like... Uh, oh, kind of a lenticular sort lenticular, of... Lenticular, that's it, that's the word. Yeah. No, this is a program that makes the picture move. Yeah, like... It lo- its head moves, and it looks around, yeah. and it is uncanny and creepy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a, uh, a subreddit that's just uh, I don't know if you guys are on Reddit at all, but uh, there's a Betty Page subreddit, and somebody said, "Oh, hey, check this out! I ran Betty Page portrait through uh, that AI thing, and her head's moving side to side a little bit, and she kind of grins and blinks and moves, her, and it's and it looks real enough, and plenty of people have done it with like family photos and whatnot." It looks real enough to where if you didn't know, if somebody didn't have it captioned, you'd look at it and say, oh, so what? There's a little video of somebody from a black and white film, whatever. No, it looks yeah, pre- pretty I saw, real. Uh, one of Billy the Kid. <laughs> that, that one photo yeah. that exists of him. It was wild. Oh, God. Um, it made him, although it was really weird and unreal it made him real at the same time um because it's not a great photo but the uh ai has punched up all the details and it's wild um yeah i showed eugenia one and she was like "Ooh, that's a horror movie waiting to happen oh yeah for sure you know um 
the term fake shemp was invented by Sam Raimi for Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what they call those, where uh, like uh, like in the, the recent Star Wars movies where they've got the replacement Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher characters that you know, they, they get referred to as fake shemps. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you uh, do you want to tell the uh, origin of that one? Uh, it's because um, I think uh, back in 1955, uh, Shemp out of the Three Stooges suddenly died of a heart attack, and they had that four of their shorts hadn't been released at that point. They'd like filmed. There was material there, but uh, they weren't finished and ready to go out. So they got was it? They got the, someone who'd been a stand-in, I think. To uh, and then they they shot these scenes where they should just show the back of his head or something like that, so that you didn't get his get clear shot of his face. Um, so uh, so that they could finish off these four shorts and get them released as the last uh, Stooges films. And um, so and Sam Raimi, being a big Stooges fan, uh, picked up on that. So uh, during the Evil Dead, they were when they went down to Tennessee to shoot. Uh, they were scheduled for six weeks, but it ran for about 12 weeks and it went uh, way, you know, it went past Christmas. Uh, uh, they just couldn't, they ran out of money for the crew. So the, a lot of the crew left. Uh, they were down to like four people for the whole crew. Um, the cast went home for Christmas and they came back on New Year. And um so they they had to pick up a lot of uh, shots using other people like Ted Raimi standing in for the other for the uh, cast. So uh, that's, that's where you, in the end credits you see this this list of uh, names of fake shemps. Yeah, that's where it's from. It's the, oh, okay. Their their own shorthand for uh, stand-ins. Yeah, and though I gotta say though the wig wrangler uh, didn't do a great job. Uh, <laughs> And I want to say both Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Sometimes you're looking at somebody saying, that's not even close to their hairdo from the previous scene. I mean, I I realize they're possessed. Does that change their hair? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I'm surprised how uh, much uh, Henrietta from Evil Dead 2. Uh, now stands out to me as Ted Raimi. Oh, once you know it's Ted Raimi, you can't not see and it. I cannot <laughs> not see his face, even under all that makeup. Yeah. Yeah, that is so funny. It's like, uh, I remember seeing that, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, latex uh, on that suit, or whatever. And uh, you you don't even think, oh, it might be a guy. And then you read the credits, and you go, oh, it's some guy named Ted. Oh, Raimi, that's got to be some relation to the director. So then you know about it, but then later when you grow up a little bit and you see more movies where Ted Raimi is just Ted Raimi, not Henrietta, it's like, then you know what his face looks like. And all, yeah, the, all, exactly. all the footage of him at Comic-Cons and interviews and whatnot. Yeah. You, I, I just saw him too much on Hercules, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would do it. <laughs> um, did anything not work for you to the point where you wanted to shut it off or was it all just like old familiar, you know, Paris? Oh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, again, I prefer the first one to the sequel, although I like the sequel. 
Um, the 2013 one, I was surprised. I actually liked it up until I didn't. <laughs> uh, where, where did it lose you? I have to ask. It lost me when they brought back uh, Mia. With the, uh, with the uh, battery? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, that didn't bother me, whatever, that's, you know, it's a horror movie, I've, I've spent almost 90 minutes in this world, I'm not gonna complain about a defibrillator made out of syringes, that didn't bother me, but it bothered me that she came back to be the final girl, and I don't, uh, it, it felt like an unnecessary ending, like it should have ended with, uh, with her brother David. Yeah, you know he buries her, and then I don't know, just copy the end of Evil Dead, and something comes flying through the house and gets him. It's a perfect ending. Uh, it just felt so tacked on. I I really didn't like the end. Did you stick um, around for the post credit thing or the during the credits? Yeah, I did. Okay, okay good. I, I always watch all the way through the credits. Yep, you have to. <laughs> uh, I saw the guy pick her up, and I also saw Ash at the end. Yeah. Uh, at the very, very end. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't. It didn't work for me then, because she had been possessed, uh, and it felt like she was already gone. I mean, also she sliced her tongue open with a exacto blade, box cutter, and uh, <laughs> well, she was she second, I don't know second degree burns. Yeah. Oh yeah, that too. I forgot the burn. All, all just healed up. Um, yeah. So that just that rang so phony to me. I mean, she loses a hand, um, but they didn't even play up a farewell to arms joke. So yeah, for all the other fan service we got, you think they would have figured out a way to shoehorn that one in too? But that didn't happen. I, I, I'll tell you where, where I, I lost uh, enjoyment to this one. Yeah. Uh, about one minute in, um, <laughs> there's the there's that prologue scene, and uh, oh. you have the the woman running in the woods. Uh, then they have like a there's a figure suddenly crosses in the immediate foreground. Yeah. And all the horror movies were doing that at the time. And I thought, oh. I, 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 it just made me just relax. You know, I was not going to see anything surprising. Um, yeah. I agree. I did not like. I did not like the the prologue, and I felt sort of the same way when they when the the jeep was traveling to the cabin and they start out with like a drone shot, and it's largely silent and it goes on it's not too long but i was ooh, i was like oh this is not going to be good i i am not going to enjoy this and then it was it was gory enough it made me squeamish and it gets points for that because i'm not usually squeamish and uh and things like the box cutter to the tongue i thought well that's that's kind of effective and I was I was with it. It uh, it creeped me out in a way. And then it got to the end, and I was just like, "No, this feels very tacked on. It feels like studio inter- interference." But the, the second point that where I, I did a time check was seventeen minutes. Uh, so uh, uh, 
all the characters in this cabin can't smell the stench coming from the cellar, apart from Mia. Then they open yeah. the trap door and they can all smell it, and it, and they're really appalled by the smell. I was like, this is a there's an inch gap between the floorboards. Yeah, um, yeah, didn't make sense. Uh, they then they go down into the basement and they see the burnt pillar, and you get a flashback to the woman from the prologue uh, because uh, the audience is dumb and the the audience is not going to remember that like 15 minutes before. A woman was burnt at this pillar. Yeah. You need to be told again what happened. And uh, I find that to be a problem in a lot of things. That was that was definitely distracting and jarring, but what was even worse than that was come on, I'm your brother, of course I'm here. You don't have to do that. You could have another character say, dude, your sister's messed up. You should know this. I mean that's that's not gonna stick out like, hey, I'm your brother, of course I'm here. I've I've got four siblings and I've never once said I'm your brother or have them say I'm your brother <laughs> you or I'm should. your sister. I you they know, might I'm, not know who you are. I might try that they next time. They could have forgotten who? Richard? Yeah. I might you know what? I'm ne- your brother. I'm oh, gonna, I'm going to try that, that Richard. Yeah. On each of them next time I see them, they're going to be like, "Oh, I'm glad you made it." I'll be like, "I'm your brother. Of course I made it." Yeah. See what they I, say like they're going to go, why did you say that? That's weird. <laughs> I didn't like any of these people except Olivia. And of course, she's the first to go. Yeah. And the dog. Um, and the dog was yeah, uh, the thir- dog, 33 um, minutes in. Grandpa. Um, yeah. Mia's playing guilt trips on her brother who's trying to help her. Yep. Uh, almost all the friends seem reluctant to be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they let Grandpa the dog loose in the woods, which is stupid. Uh, and it dies, you know, it gets like two scenes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, the second they introduced the dog, you knew it you was knew it. die. Ugh. It was needless. Um, yeah, it just seemed... I mean, in the first movie, they, you know, they do all these stupid things like playing the tape and so on. But uh, yeah, that's just like the, the general fun of the movie. But, but when I'm already... Uh, resentful of how the movie's going, uh, how it's like looking down on its own audience. Uh, I was just inclined not to like it. Um, yeah, they, they let she's she's supposed to be going cold turkey, and they let her lock herself in the bathroom. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's just all these things that really bothered me. Um, and like all the all the uh, continuity things, like a second degree burn that that disappears, and uh, it, it was just uh, oh yeah, when he, when he he buries her, and uh, you see the book open to the page where it's like a live burial, as if he needs illustrated instructions of how to bury someone. Yeah, <laughs> it's just stupid. Um, and I, I noticed that. Uh, the dog was just there to be killed because they needed five souls. Yeah. Oh. That makes, oh, that's so. You didn't think of that. It was nice of them to credit a dog having a soul, but, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was just all that stuff bothered me. I, did, I just didn't like it. I felt like the, uh, the drug addiction bit could have been interesting, but they didn't do anything with it was just kind of like that's the reason they're out there and that i don't know i thought they were gonna 
play up more. They they start to because nobody believes her because she's freaking out. Cold turkey. Yeah. Uh, but it very quickly becomes you know they realize oh that's not the case. I I don't know. I felt like that was a uh, kind of dumb reason to have them out there. They didn't really do anything with. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can agree. Uh, yeah. Although it was squeamish, mate. It well, really squeamish. excellent. Uh, I think it's I Roger, Roger Murray did the uh, special effects. They're really good. Yeah, the effects were great. I will give them the effects, but that's about it. And uh, Fede Alvarez did a good job building suspense in a lot of places in this movie. You know, you know, like you're wondering if somebody's actually going to get away or if they're actually going to get uh, slashed or what have you. He had he had some good moments, and not you know, and and not for. Uh, we're not talking about a seasoned director. He had a short before this, and another feature after this. And I don't know if you guys remember oh, that. He did uh, Don't Breathe. Yeah, yeah, and and we yeah. had the, we had the same uh, the same lead. Uh, yeah, yeah, same. Uh, Jane Levy. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did Don't Breathe and he did uh, The Girl in the Spider's Web. Yeah. And uh, he's working on the uh, new Texas Chainsaw, I think. Yeah, and, uh. and he's not he's not bad at what he does, but then, you know, some of the stuff that he's expected to work with, I'm sure, is uh, limiting to him yeah, as a director. Yeah, it's his script. Yeah, it's I'm not his fault. I won't blame him. And that's not even the fault of the credited screenwriters. <laughs> right necessarily it could, it could be the suits yeah putting their two cents I'm, in and the, they did have um i mean the big problem they have uh is they don't have ash um yeah to anchor everything on so they they have to construct this whole new uh backstory uh for why they're uh you, you know who's going to be the central character and, and what their arc's going to be so they have her being the the feminine character who gets reborn as the hyper-masculine uh, hero at the end. Uh, but, but I, and, you know, as, as Will says, it, it, it doesn't work for me. And we kind of get faked out before that. We're kind of like, oh, is the brother going to be the Ash character? Is this person going to be the Ash character? Is there going to be an Ash character? We don't know. And then uh, <laughs> she ends up losing a hand and then using a chainsaw, but not really exactly like Ash. So we're, we're, we're kind of left guessing and wondering like is this what i'm supposed to take away from this but all that being said the experience like will mentioned earlier you know before it loses you it's a pretty good ride you know it's it's not the worst thing i've i've put in my eyes over the hundreds of movies we've watched for this show not not yeah maybe that's how i should (laughs) clarify it it was better than i expected yeah but I was expecting, like, Freddy, whatever the Nightmare on Elm Street remake was. Okay, so you had your, your, your bar was set really low. My bar was, <laughs> was on the ground, yeah. And they stepped over it, and that was fine. Right. You know, until the end. And the end, they tripped. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I really, I don't usually care for horror movie remakes, especially ones of the last ten years or so. Um usually just because it seems like a waste of uh, time and money. Mm. Why remake it? We can just rent it or stream it. Just <laughs> make something new, God damn it! Yeah. 
yeah, you could you could take some of the same vibe and make a different kind of story and then not have the expectations of who's going to take the mantle of being Ash. Yeah, it's like they, they, they took it and ran with a different direction. You could watch uh, Cabin Fever and Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Yeah. There's there, there's a lot a lot of different ways you could run with it for sure. Um, I know mean, I mean, uh, Demons is pretty much Evil Dead in the cinema. <laughs> so overall, I was going to say uh, Demon Wind. <laughs> <laughs> of course, well, a true treasure. Yeah. Um, so all of this being said, to bring to bring it all around, um, you know, we all had our experiences of of rewatching. Uh, uh, at least two of these three, and uh, and in, in my case, all three of them in in sequential order. Uh, how do you feel as far as recommending the first one, the second one, and the remake? What can you say to uh, a horror fan who's like, oh yeah, like maybe they're a younger person who hasn't caught these yet, or somebody who just got on horror differently and hasn't seen them. What do you, what do you say to them? How do you recommend these things? Well, if they're not a horror fan or they're not much of one, they're fairly new. Um, I would recommend evil dead too, but only with a group of friends. Yeah. Like Jolene said, I think that'd be a lot of fun and I'm kind of jealous that I didn't get to see that one in the theater. I saw Army of Darkness in the theater when it came out, um, but that's not. I, I I don't really remember if the audience was really into that one or not. Uh, but I don't consider that one really a horror movie. It's more of a kind of action adventure comedy. Yeah, it really is. Jolien, how about you? Yeah, same thing for a casual viewer. Go with Evil Dead Two. Yeah, and then yeah, and if you were a horror fan and you hadn't seen it, you know, um, I would recommend the first one. Yeah, and to sit in the dark room. Yeah, and watch it. It, it probably won't creep you out, but uh, maybe and if, if you're ten, definitely <laughs> creep you out a bit. You won't want to go to the woods. Yeah. Yeah. It's got the scene with the tree, which is uh, really intense and kind of takes you out of the movie. And, yeah, uh, uh, it can it can just completely throw people out of the movie. I understand that. Yeah, I I almost wish that scene was there. It's it's surprising that I didn't remember it being as bad as it was. Yeah, I've not seen it uncut like this before. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm thinking is maybe I didn't see the the uncut version maybe i had seen because i really don't remember that i remember the vines getting her yeah and uh at some point learning how they do that effect and now never ever being able to see it running not running backwards yep yep for sure yeah Yeah. for listeners what they do is they wrap the vine around your arm and then pull it off and yep. then they just run the film backwards. Yeah. And yeah. some people are pretty good at acting backwards. Other people, not so much. Yeah. And this is, this is pretty, uh, pretty believable when you see it the first, first and maybe second time. Yeah. Uh, and I got to no, no, it was, it's a good effect. I, I like that effect still, but it's, it's one of those, a lot of special effects that are that way. One, you know, or magic tricks, I suppose. Once you know how it's done, it's, 
it's hard not to see how it's done. Oh yeah, you can't unsee it. So yeah, yeah. I, I gotta agree with you guys. You know, see Evil Dead Two first. Uh, since all of this stuff is you know thirty something years in the past. Why not just see Evil Dead 2 first and then do your homework and watch the first one and then do your time trip forward and see the remake and uh, then you can do your comparisons. Uh, I say skip the remake. You know what? It's it's its own thing in my opinion. It's I, I'm just going to view it as separate the same way, not, not to start a whole new conversation, but uh, Dawn of the Dead, the remake, um, I think is a different movie and I see it separately from the original Dawn of the Dead. And, uh, I don't, I don't weigh the remake against the original because I, I don't think it, I don't think you should. Uh, that, that's just my opinion. <laughs> I think the remake of Dawn of the Dead was a better film than this one, though. Yeah, it was, it um, was. For all of Zack Snyder's problems, that movie's pretty good. It it has um, great pace. It has likable characters. Got a good pace. I mean, it's not it's not the original. The original can't be duplicated. No. Um. But but it's it's a pretty good actiony zombie movie. Um. Yeah. You know, uh, this one I I don't know. It just with the ending, with that prologue, with all the little flaws we pointed out. I think you'd be better off watching. I don't know don't breathe or yeah one of his other films yeah that's a good Watch point the uh the girl with the tattoo trilogy because it's pretty good yeah well is that a good place to wrap it up guys okay i suppose we went long but we had three films yeah you know it's fair that we went long um cool so is it my pick next time mm-hmm. you know I what so uh i think i caught myself off guard with that so um I'm not ready with one, but uh, I'll have it ready for you soon. I'll, okay. I'll message you both. But uh, yeah, I do like that we covered this pretty well. And uh, listeners, thank you for listening. And stay off the moors. It has been a number of years since I began excavating the ruins of Kandar with a group of my colleagues. Now my wife and I have retreated to a small cabin in the solitude of these mountains. Here I continued my research undisturbed by the myriad distractions of modern civilization and far from the groves of academe. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian runes, a volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. It is entitled Naturan de Manto, roughly translated Book of the Dead. The book is bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. It deals with demons, demon resurrection, and those forces which roam the forest and dark bowers of man's domain. The first few pages warn that these enduring creatures may lie dormant but are never truly dead. They may be recalled to active life through the incantations presented in this book. It is through recitation of these passages that the demons are given license to possess the living. What'd you do that for? It's just getting good. I just don't want to hear it anymore, that's all. Hey, come on, I just want to hear the rest of it. No big deal. Tatra Amistrobin Hazarta Tatir Mando 
man sees on Hazan Sobar. Samanda Robza, dar his hiker dans de Rosa. Ganda. Shut it off. Ganda. Shut it off. Ganda.